Good morning, Bridgeway. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to worship at Bridgeway Community Church. And what a privilege it is to be reminded of the many different cultures God has created himself through making a diversity of beautiful people from around the world. And as we celebrate Black History Month, to hear Dr. Griffith remind us that heaven truly is our home and we are citizens of heaven, but pilgrims here on the earth, regardless of your color, class, or culture, what a wonderful reminder. We celebrate and lift up so many who have fought for our freedom for those who look like me in this country. Well, there's somebody else who looks like me. She could be my sister. In fact, she is my sister spiritually, but she reminds me of my natural sister as well. Her name is Nona Jones. She's gonna be here to bring the word of God in just a moment. We are in the third installment of a five-week winter guest speaker series that we do every year. And next week, Erwin McManus from Hollywood is gonna be right here on the stage. And then after that, Israel Houghton and Adrian Bailon Houghton will be right here on the stage. But today, Nona Jones is here. Now, many of you will remember her because last year when we traveled to do Conversations of Hope, we actually traveled right to Nona Jones's home. Let me tell you just a little bit about this rare woman, Lady Nona Jones. She is a combination of a preacher, a business executive, an author, an entrepreneur, licensed to preach the gospel at age 17. She's preached around the world. And as a business executive and entrepreneur, she has been profiled in Essence Magazine as under 40 women to watch, as well as Florida Trend Magazine as one of Florida's 30-something all-stars. She's also the founder of Faith and Prejudice, which is a social justice organization. And professionally, she has served as and continues to serve as the head of North America Community Partnerships and Global Faith-Based Partnerships at Facebook. She's a published author and two of her books, Success from the Inside Out, as well as From Social Media to Social Ministry. She holds a bachelor's degree in communications and an MBA from the University of Florida, where she has been recognized as an outstanding young alumnus. And Nona has completed graduate studies at Harvard Law School program on negotiation. Personally, Nona's married to her husband, Tim. They lead a church in Gainesville, Florida called Open Door Ministries. And they're the proud parents of two boys and a couple of girls, but they're dogs, including the one that I met when we got to hang out with them down in Florida. Her name is Shiloh. She is a very loving uh, golden doodle. And so they are a real family, real people. And you're going to love Nona because she's a real sister in the Lord. But you need to know two other things about her. First of all, she is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she's not ashamed of it. And secondly... She's my friend. So I present to some and introduce to others, Lady Nona Jones. Come on up here, my sister. Wow, praise the Lord. It's such a blessing to be in the house of the Lord this morning. 
Uh, I thank God for my friend, my brother, Dr. Anderson. I thank God for Bridgeway Church. Um, This is a very special place. If you don't know it, I travel all around the world. I get to be a part of so many different ministries. And I can tell you there is something special that God is doing here. So thank you for having me. It's just a blessing to be here. Um, Before I get started, I would love to get the opportunity to introduce you to my first ministry. And so Dr. Anderson uh, shared many of the bullet points from my resume, but I will tell you out of all of the hats that I wear, the two that are the most important to me are that of wife and mother. And so uh, I wanted to just introduce you to my family. If we have the photo to share, I would love to share it. Um, As you can see in this image, uh, my husband, if you were to look up the word fine in the dictionary, uh, you would see a visual of his face. I'm a very, very blessed woman. Um, Standing next to him in this photo is my youngest son, Isaac. He turned nine in December. And standing next to me is my oldest son, Timothy Jr. He just turned 12 this past week. This is my squad. This is my crew. This is my tribe. And I'm so honored to get to spend life with them. Now, I heard that you all are in a season of exploring how to become mature and mighty in God. And I'm really excited about the word that God placed in my heart because he gave it to me before I even knew that. And I believe that it was all intended uh, to align with the heart of your pastor. And so I'm going to dive into it with a question. For those of you who are watching online, as well as we have some people in the building, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever been wounded by someone? It's by a show of hands that you've been, you've been wounded by someone. So uh, if we were heading into battle, if we were going to war, we would wear protective gear. We would wear armor in order to prevent injury. Uh, we would carry weapons in order to fend off and fight off enemies. But the reason why we end up wounded in relationships is because we strip away our armor We let down our guard. We assume that we are safe with that person. And so we end up wounded because we never saw it coming. How many of you can say that you have been wounded and you were surprised at the same time? I know I've been there and I want you to just be honest. If you are watching online, put a little raised hand in the comments if you will be honest that you've been wounded and surprised at the same time. So uh, about five years ago, about five years ago, I uh, had a friendship that dissolved and deteriorated very, very badly because I learned that the person I had considered a friend was using me. And uh, when I found that out, it wounded me deeply because I had loved that person. I had given them uh, what I could in order to show that I love them. And so it wounded me deeply. Well, it took years and I'm talking years of prayer and and forgiveness and uh, really trying to heal, doing some self-work in order to heal from the pain. But toward the end of 2021, uh, they resurfaced all of a sudden in my life. They just reached out and they said, hey, I would love to to meet with you and apologize for what happened. Now, 80% of me said no. 80% of me was like, don't do it, the red lights were flashing, but there was 20% of me that was genuinely curious about what they had to say. And so 
I listened to the 20% and I agreed to sit down and meet with them. And uh, the moment we sat down, they immediately launched into apologizing. They said that there were some traumatic events that had happened and, and because of what had happened to them, they didn't value our friendship the way that they should have. Now, I explained to them that I had forgiven them a long time ago in order to not be bitter, but they insisted that I say the words, I forgive you. They said, please, will you say, I forgive you? And so I did, I said, I forgive you. Well, they let out a deep sigh of relief and then they changed the subject of the conversation to more mundane things like careers and, and family. As we ended the conversation, they said, listen, Nona, I really want us to be friends again. I want us to, to, to have the type of relationship that we had before. And I said to them, I said, well, you know, that's going to take a lot of work because there's been a lot of damage done. And they said, I understand that, I understand that. And, and I wanna do the work because I want us to be friends. Well, I said, okay. But as the days and, and weeks and even months went by, I never heard from them again. And because I never heard from them, the, the wound on the inside of me that I thought had healed, it started to ache. Because in my mind, I thought, wait a minute, you used me again. So you came back into my life wanting me to forgive you for what you did, but you weren't willing to put in the time and the energy to actually rectify the damage that was done. And, and if you're anything like me, at that point, you would start to feel bitter. You may even start to tell people what the person did. You may even post a passive aggressive post on social media. You know, the type where we say when a person shows you who they are, believe them without tagging them. But we know who we're talking about. Yeah, we, we may have done something like that. But instead, the Holy Spirit started to teach me. The Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks and said, Nona, see, your former friend looks to you the way you look to me. I said, what do you mean, Lord? The Holy Spirit said, see, many times you want to receive forgiveness from me, but you don't want to fellowship with me. Many times you repent to relieve guilt but not to restore relationship. I said, wow. I realized in that moment that it's so true. How many times we will transgress against God and then we, we go to God and we ask for forgiveness. And the moment that we feel that forgiveness begin to wash over us, we hop up off of our knees, we splash some water on our face, and then we skip away like everything is okay, but everything is not okay. Because we wanted forgiveness, but we didn't want to be surrendered. You see, part of becoming mature and mighty in God is beginning to see yourself the way God sees you. And in that moment of woundedness, when I was wounded and I was hurting, God led me to take 
a different direction than I would normally have taken. Yeah, normally I would have told other people what the person did. Normally I would have made the post about them and been passive aggressive. But instead what I did is because I had received revelation from God about how I looked to God, I made a post about the necessity of repentance for relational reconciliation with God. And normally when I make a post on social media, it gets a few hundred likes. But that post got more than 10,000 likes, more than 10,000 shares, and thousands and thousands of people were confronted with the need to repent to God for their own lack of surrender. Nona, what does this have to do with anything? I believe that many times we get wounded and we allow our wounds to separate us from God. We allow our wounds to make us feel like the victims, but as we're going to discover in our text today, our wounds have the power to lead people to deliverance. Our wounds have the power to propel purpose. Our wounds have the power to advance the kingdom of God if we're willing to surrender our wounds to the lordship of Jesus Christ, which is why today for those who take notes, I'm going to speak from the subject, worthy wounds. Worthy wounds. I'm going to be in the book of Philippians chapter one. We're going to start in verse 12. The apostle Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Skipping down to verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. You know, the book of Philippians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. People all around the world turn to Philippians when they're in need of encouragement because it contains many of the most well-known encouraging passages of scripture. I'm going to read just a few. Philippians chapter 3, 13 through 14, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Then we find Philippians chapter four, six through seven. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And of course, the scripture that everyone knows, even if they don't know where it is, is Philippians chapter four and 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians is definitely an encouraging read, but I believe the most important part 
of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi is not the text itself. It's the conditions under which he wrote it. You see, this particular letter was written under two important conditions that I want to draw your attention to. First, Paul wrote this letter while imprisoned in Rome for at least a year. And I need you to understand that, you see, the, the, the Roman prisons of his day, A.D. 50, are not the same as the prisons of A.D. 2022, okay? There is no air conditioning, three square meals a day, clean clothes and all of that, recreation, no. The prisons of his day were oftentimes cut out of a cave. It was dark, it was damp, it was cold. Roman guards were notoriously cruel to prisoners, beating them and maiming them. If he wanted food and clothes, he oftentimes had to rely on friends and fellow believers to bring them to him. So he was not on a vacation. Oh no, he was going through physical, emotional trauma and distress when he wrote this letter. The second detail to know, we know that the Apostle Paul was one of the greatest church planters of all times. He had went through provinces and, and various regions establishing churches, but while he was in prison during this time writing this letter, there was a group of Jewish Christians, they were religious Jewish Christians, who were out there undermining his work while he was locked up. They had already caused all types of confusion at the church at Galatia. They were uh, sharing heresies that Paul was saying that Christ was the only way to salvation. What they were saying is it was Christ plus you had to obey the law plus you had to be circumcised. And so what was happening is it was creating a tremendous amount of chaos. And so Paul was sitting in this prison where he was hungry and beaten and cold and he was also having to deal with the trauma of knowing that his life's work was potentially being uprooted. So you see when we read these verses of scripture we now have a different context. When he says forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When he says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your request known to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we read I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me what we realize is he's writing this encouragement out of a wounded place. He's not writing this encouragement from uh, a relaxing view of the river Seine and, and eating pastries and enjoying friends and fellowship. No, he's writing this encouragement out of his wounds. And this is why I need to ask you, what are you doing with your wounds? And is God able to work through your wounds to make them worthy? You see, we all have wounds. We all have all kinds of wounds as a matter of fact. But the question is, are our wounds a springboard to another person's encouragement? Are our wounds a springboard to another person's deliverance? Do we have the kind of wounds that are pointing people to God's goodness in spite of their woundedness? Paul had worthy wounds because his wounds not only propelled his purpose, but it also advanced the kingdom of God. He said in our foundational text, Philippians chapter 1, 12 and 13, he said, what has happened to me has actually served 
to advance the gospel. He said, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul's wounds became worthy because he seized the opportunity to advance the kingdom of God through his wounds. And see, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. Our God wastes nothing. What you have been through, what you have done is simply a seedbed for your ministry. And you may not believe it, but I hope by the end of this message, you will see exactly what I'm saying. Because our God is the kind of God who works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Which is why I want to bring this message directly to your doorstep. I don't want you to think that this is some type of abstract conversation that has nothing to do with you. No, there are two points. I need you to understand from this message. The first is this, your wounds are not your burden. Your wounds are your ministry. How do I know this? So you're probably saying to yourself, no, you don't understand. My wounds are not some past experience. I wake up with my woundedness every single morning as a reminder of something I would much rather forget. Well, let's talk about it. When you wake up, Every morning with that growing belly that reminds you and everyone around you of the night that you settled for lust when what you really wanted was love. And you're wounded by shame. Or maybe you're the person that every time you go on Instagram, you see a post from that married man talking about how much he loves his wife, but it's the same man that's texting you when he comes into town so that you all can spend some time together. And every time you see those posts, you become wounded by loneliness because it reminds you of what you don't have. Or maybe you're the person whose wound is triggered every time you get a baby shower invitation and you're reminded of the pregnancies that you chose to end. But now that you're married and you're trying to have children and it's not working, people keep asking you, when are you going to have children? And what they don't know is you already did. And you're wounded by regret. You see, if we're not careful, the enemy will make us believe that our wounds are greater than God's power to heal them. But he is a liar. You see, the apostle Paul I already told you he's one of the greatest church planters of all times, but he was also one of the greatest church persecutors of all times. He had Christians killed. He had churches destroyed. But when he met Jesus on that road to Damascus, Jesus radically changed his life and changed his wounds and empowered him to become one of the greatest ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was Paul who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Your wounds are your weakness, and because of your weakness, God can have the power to be glorified through you. We must stop rejecting and denying the wounds and start surrendering the wounds to the lordship 
of Jesus Christ. I don't have time to tell you all the details of my story, but I will tell you this much. I don't know why I'm up here. I don't know why the Lord keeps sending me to different places as his representative. Because if you only knew what I'd been through and if you only knew what I had done as a response to what I had been through, I would think that I should be disqualified. But God said, Nona, if you will surrender your wounds to my authority, I will take them and I will use them to advance my kingdom. I am a product of God's continual grace. I am a walking, talking, living, breathing, statistical anomaly. And that's why all glory goes to God. You see, if we have the connections and the confidence and the charisma and the wealth and the power, when something good happens through us, we can say, of course that happened. Don't you know how good I am? But when we have none of that, when all we have are our wounds to point to, we have to say, don't you know how good my God is? And that is how God works. God's kingdom is advanced when we surrender our wounds to his lordship. And the second thing I want you to know is this. Your wounds may be painful, but God's power can make them purposeful. You see, contrary to popular belief, y'all, Satan is not out here repossessing cars and turning off electricity. He gets blamed for that all the time. The devil's trying to take my car. The devil's messing with my lights. No. If you pay your car note and you pay your electric bill, you will retain authority over those things. What Satan wants more than anything is not your stuff. He wants your voice. Because there are people in this world who only have ears to hear your testimony. You can bring them into a church building. You can have them listen to me or Dr. Anderson or any pastor, any preacher, and they will leave the exact same way they came in. But if they hear your voice and your testimony over coffee for just 10 minutes, their entire life will be changed. And this is why the devil works so hard to get you to stay in a wound of shame. He works so hard to get you to stay in a wound of loneliness. He works so hard to get you to stay in a wound of regret because he knows that if he can silence your voice, that the people who need to hear it in order to know that they have been set free from Jesus Christ will remain in bondage. And that's what he wants more than anything. Which is why I want to ask you today, are you surrendering your wounds to the lordship of Jesus Christ so that he can make them worthy. Paul said in our foundational text, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. The wounds that you carry, carry purpose. The wounds that you carry, carry an anointing. They carry a calling. And so you should not despise your wounds. You should lift them up to God as an offering. Father, give me wisdom and direction for how you want to work through this in order to set others free. That teen pregnancy that you had that you're so ashamed of, do you know how many other teen girls and even young boys are ashamed? That God can use that as a ministry to inspire hope in these young parents. 
How many, how many women are suffering from loneliness who need a place where they can go in order to be encouraged and uplifted to know that they are not alone? Listen, I know on social media, it looks like everyone has it all together. Everyone's posting about the hashtag relationship goals and hashtag bay and hashtag women crush Wednesday and all that stuff. But let me tell you something. Behind all those posts are a lot of unhappy people, which is why they need a ministry. They need a place where they can go and be encouraged in the Lord. And God is calling you you to create that place. Listen, I don't know who this message is for. I never know who this message is for, but some of you are probably saying, Nona, I hear what you're saying, but, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. There's no way that my wound could ever become worthy. I want to encourage you out of the lives of three people in Scripture. You see, Joseph, he was thrown down into a pit by his brothers. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He had a deep wound against his brothers for what they did to him. He ended up in prison while in Egypt for a crime he didn't even commit. And when it looked like he just might be getting out, when it looked like another prisoner was going to speak on his behalf to the Pharaoh and he was finally going to be released, he was forgotten about and he was left to rot in that prison. But after God released him, after God elevated him, his brothers, the very people who wounded him, had to come to him because they were starving due to a famine. And if he wanted to, he could have allowed his wound to have them end up dying from starvation. But instead, he surrendered his wound to the lordship of God. And because he did that, he realized, brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. His wound became worthy. And then there's Peter. Peter is considered Jesus' best friend. He was in the inner of the inner circle of the disciples. Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him at the crucifixion as it led up to that moment. And Peter said, I will never deny you. As a matter of fact, I will die before I deny you. But when it all came down to it, when Jesus was captured and he was taken, he didn't deny Jesus once, not twice. He denied him Three times. He did the very thing he said he wouldn't do. And the Bible says that when he realized what he had done, that he wept bitterly. And the word that's translated bitterly in the English is the Greek word pikros, which means shame. Peter was filled with shame because of what he had done. But you see, the same Peter who denied Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 is the same Peter that Jesus had already commissioned and called in Matthew chapter 16. Ten chapters earlier, Jesus placed a calling on Peter's life that was not negated because of his mistake. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, it was Peter's voice that led to more than 3,000 souls entering into the kingdom of God on one day. Peter's wounds became worthy because he didn't allow the wound of shame and regret to keep him stagnated in that place. And then, of course, there's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I oftentimes reflect on the fact that when he kneeled down to wash the feet of the 12 disciples during the Last Supper, 
he had to wash the feet of the man that he knew was going to betray him. And you see, the act of, of feet washing was actually reserved for the lowest of the low servants. Jesus washed Judas's feet with tears in his eyes and a broken heart. But because of the wounds that Christ sustained on the cross, because of the wounds that he even had in his heart, we were given the opportunity for eternal life. And because of the blood of Jesus and the wounds that he sustained, when we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, God no longer sees us as defective and flawed and imperfect. All he sees is the perfect blood of Jesus Christ that covers us. And it's the perfect blood of Jesus Christ that makes our wounds worthy. Which is why I want to ask you, what wounds do you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus? What wounds do you need to allow God to work through so that the kingdom of God will be advanced? I know that it may seem hard and it may seem challenging. I know that there are some things that you would much rather not even talk about or remember, but our God wastes nothing. And as the apostle Paul did so many years ago, we have the opportunity to allow God to work through the parts of us that hurt, the parts of us that are in so much pain, so that we can become a springboard to others' deliverance, others' purpose, so that we can become a springboard to others' healing through wounds that are made worthy in Jesus Christ. God bless you. Wow. Were you blessed by this woman right here, the woman of the hour who brought the word of God? Fill up the chat even now and just thank her. And uh, Lady Nona, I thank you for bringing the word. So powerful, so practical. So you were talking about women and men who are wounded being vulnerable to the enemy taking away their voice. So if somebody hears this message today and they say, maybe I do have a voice, how do they begin to exercise that voice? Yeah, I think the first step is acknowledging, acknowledging that um, whatever you've gone through, whatever you've been through, there's purpose assigned to it. It doesn't mean that God was like, let me let this happen to them. What it means that God can use it yeah. for his glory. So acknowledge it acknowledge the pain, and then as opportunities arise to speak into a situation, share your story. Mm -hmm. we, we oftentimes pretend that we have it all together. We oftentimes like to act like we've never had anything happen, we've never done anything wrong, but it's our weakness that allows God's power to shine through. So just being vulnerable. You're really good about sharing uh, your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I think as a result of that, people are really drawn to wanting to hear uh, what God is doing through you. So I just want to thank you and thank Lady Nona publicly because she's not a, a shame or afraid to share her story. And hopefully her story gives you 
uh, the encouragement and the strength and the boldness to be able to share your story. So someone share your story today. And I'm going to ask Lady Nona before we turn it back over to Pastor Dave Heiliger to just pray for you and to pray for us that God would get all the glory out of our story. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, first and foremost, we thank you for how your calling on our life is never negated Mm -hmm. by what happens to us. Your calling and purpose is never removed over our life because of what we do. God, thank you for being faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to you. Lord, I pray for everyone who is watching now, everyone in the building now, God, that you will speak wisdom into our lives, into our hearts. God, give us courage, give us confidence to own the story that you have given to us, God, so that we can glorify you, God, that we can lift you up, that we can point people to you and how you work all things together for our good. I pray, God, that for that, that young man, Father, who is, who is dealing with shame right now, who is saying, I don't want anybody to know about this because if they know about this, they'll think differently of me. God, I want you to speak into his heart and let him know it is well. It is well for that, that mother, that single mother who is saying, yeah, but see, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've gone through. I want you to speak encouragement to her too, God. Speak encouragement to her so that she knows that her calling is not negated. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in and through your people to carry your gospel to the four corners of the earth. And we will surrender our desires and ambitions to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, my sister. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc 30. That's bridgeway.cc T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.